Ernest, what's up? Look, in the world of personal finance management, finding the right tool is crucial. If you've been relying on Mint to keep your personal finances in check, I got a mix of news for you. Mint is closing down. But here's a silver lining. Monarch Money is stepping up as the go-to financial app and users, including myself, are making the switch with a smile. Before Monarch, juggling my finances felt like navigating a stormy sea. Other apps either lacked features or were too cumbersome. Then came Monarch Money. Its ease of use, powerful features, and sleek design turned financial management from a chore into a breeze. The constant updates, well, that's the cherry on top. But what truly set it apart for me was its collaboration feature. Money matters constrain relationships, but Monarch brings peace to the table. The app's collaboration tools allowed my partner and I to seamlessly manage our finances together. We aligned on our budgets, tracked our cash flow, and even planned our future goals all in one place. Speaking of goals, be it saving for a down payment, your dream vacation, or your children's education, Monarch simplifies it all. It's no wonder the Wall Street Journal hailed it as the best budgeting app. This isn't just an app. It's the next generation of personal finance management, ad-free, intuitive, and always evolving with you in mind. Now look, Monarch isn't just another app. It's the all-in-one solution. From effortlessly importing your data from Mint to customizing your dashboard to your heart's content, Monarch respects your privacy with a strict no-ads, no-data-selling policy. This is financial management as it should be, focused on you. Look, after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Mondays. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Mondays for your extended 30-day free trial. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, welcome back. Market Mondays. Yes. Last episode of the year. Ah, it's been, it's been a, a great. Then, like we started, all money. Hey, man, 50 more weeks in a row, man. Congratulations to both of you. Um, this is no easy feat, man. We've dedicated ourselves to being here every Monday for the people. Yeah. People have made some money. People have made enormous amounts of money. Shout out to all y'all that, that have been executing all the information. Yes. Yeah, but congratulations to, to the whole team, man. I know Mike's in the background watching right now, so shout out to the whole team and the whole Monday's alumni, man. Everybody that's been on the show, we appreciate y'all for the whole year of 2023 and beyond. Love is love. Absolutely. Yeah, so um, made a lot of people a lot of money. One of the only programs. The only. Ever. <laughs> ever. Um, shout out to the tweet and the leaders. The only. The tweet and the leaders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah choose choose wisely yeah it's a i, I texted to you the other day and he I, I said i think i sent you the same message this is like a unique moment in time where you can rely on something every week get information from it go back tuesday morning use it and actually have real results man it's such a unique moment in time that hopefully yeah. we don't take it for granted um because you never know what happens but <laughs> while we're here 
Let's run it up. But listen, every time y'all say that, people get scared. <laughs> I get a text. Y'all leaving us? Shout out yeah. to everybody who say I sold my soul at the VP <laughs> dinner. I didn't. It's going to take at least Bilderberg Group to make me do that. A uh, 1.2. I'm still here. Right? It's just a, a humanoid cover for my reptilian body. So right. no application still pending. <laughs> 1.2 will get the job done, though. Hey. But while we're here, enjoy. If I made you money, please put yes in chat. Like you said, it's one of the only shows that makes people money. Um, the opposite of the Kramer effect. Shout out to Kramer. I love him dearly. But, you know, we, we may have dropped one or two balls over the last year, but cost some grand. So we talked about HubSpot before we started. Doing kind of good, right? NVIDIA, doing kind of good, right? Yeah. Tech, doing kind of good, right? I'd say. Yeah. 350%, I'd say. Not bad. Take it. And y'all had an amazing episode, Malone. I, I know we're going to get to the show lineup for this week, but I watched that interview twice. Shout to y'all, shout to Loon. The 1750 per thousand downloads is crazy, though. It's perspective is key. Yeah. Yeah. Perspective is key. For sure. For sure. Yeah, so, um, yeah we got end the year strong. Uh, you know, you guys have uh, succeeded. All of you uh, <laughs> disgruntled people and naysayers, you literally have made me sick. Um, so I hope, I hope you're happy about that. But uh, pray for my brother Rashad. Let's get him some Theraflu. He's gonna finish it like the champion he is. The show must go on. Flu game vibes for sure. So big week for Ernie Alicia. We got we we um have Sonia Lewis. So student loan. This is something that we just. This was a state of emergency situation because there's a few student loan situations that are expiring um December 31st so we actually was planning on putting it out in January but we moved it up because this is actually extremely time sensitive with um Joe Biden's uh student loan forgive me he just forgave like six billion dollars student loan there's a lot of um there's a lot a lot of uh confusion around that they don't really people don't know and uh, like I said some of the some of the stuff you have you only have like a week left to actually put your paperwork in and actually get so mm -hmm. long story short this is a very important episode Tuesday Tomorrow, one o'clock, student loans. So if you have student loans or if you have a child with student loans or if you have a child that's going to go to college soon or if you're, you're married to somebody with student loans or you know somebody with student loans, <clears throat> this, is a, this is a very educational episode. Talk about student loan forgiveness, talk about the different programs, talk about, you know, debt consolidation, all that type of stuff. So and like I said, it's actually extremely time sensitive mm -hmm. because uh, 2024, is not, some things are going to be changing. That's so right. that comes out tomorrow and then... Um, Today's the last episode of the season for Assets Over Liabilities. Shout out to Bum B. Mm -hmm. We went to Chilberg out of Houston. Uh, yes. Shout out to Houston. And um, yeah, we tasted the Trill Burgers. Immac Immaculate. Elite. We interviewed uh, Bun at Trill Burger. Uh, and that comes out on TV today. And then the YouTube comes out Wednesday. And like I said, this will be the last Market Mondays of the year. Next Monday is um, Christmas. But we do have a bonus episode of uh, Earn Your Leisure next week. So we're not going to leave you completely stranded. Um, but next week we'll be in Ghana. So we travel um, on Christmas night and we'll be in Ghana on December 26th. So mm -hmm. uh, a week a week to get your tickets. Uh, it's almost over for that as well. So uh, that's going to be a crazy, crazy show. We have uh, Kevin O'Cherry, who is a billionaire in the oil and gas sector from Ghana. We, he will be joining us on stage. Yep. We got a few other surprises too that we're going to be bringing people out. You can't wait. 
Shoot, some of your favorites. <laughs> sprinkle, sprinkle. <laughs> a few. Some of be good. Yeah, we do. So, yeah, we're going to be in Ghana all week. We're going to be bringing in the New Year's in, in Ghana and all that. So, uh, yeah, man, um, definitely. And bringing the slides out. For sure, for sure. So, uh, Japan ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New targets. New targets to announce. Tap. Get your tickets. Get your tickets. Link in the bio. Um, Get your, get your tickets. December 27th. December 27th. And then I also, since we not gonna be here next week, definitely wanna give a happy birthday to my son Nasir. His birthday's next week. Uh, so it'll be thirteen. Tom, Tom Floss, teenage. Hey, that's crazy. I was standing in this room when you called me to say that he was born. Yeah, I was like literally right there, like what? For sure, your dad. <laughs> so, happy birthday, God bless, birthday Nas. Uh, and yeah, uh, let's head into twenty twenty four. Um. Your brother's birthday too. Oh yeah, my brother's birthday December 29th. Happy birthday, Todd. Yeah. For sure. It's a lot of birthdays. Capricorn season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to all the Capricorns out there. That's a fact. Um, so yeah, we had in this we had in the 2024, and um, we got a lot planned for Market Mondays. We'll be announcing some information soon. Um, thank you to Ally again for sponsoring the world tour. That was thank you so much. Never been done before. You know, we did uh LA, Chicago, Toronto twice, London. And then Ghana, we're going to end the year in Ghana. So that was something that we did in 2023, uh, Market Mondays World Tour. We've done the Apollo with Market Mondays. We've done Madison Square Garden with Market Mondays, Houston. Um, so, yeah, 2024, maybe we might have a, a little different type of experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, things up a little bit. Elevated um, experience, yeah. For sure, sure. No more more elite-type vibes for yeah. Select few people as opposed to the masses. I mean, we already gave out a garden, you know. We gave everybody the opportunity, um, but maybe we might do a little bit. You know, sometimes in life, less is more. Uh, real, uh, a more curated experience for sure. Yeah. Hands on, hands on learning. Yeah, but we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Um, so yeah, that look forward to that twenty twenty four, and uh, yeah, once again, you know, thanks everybody for their support. And we're going to have a great show today. We got Caleb Silver, our guy, chief editor of Investopedia, to talk about a variety of different factors. And we're going to talk about the market. And, um, yeah. How much I was right this year, too. Clap it up for Ian. (laughs) (laughs) Hey. Yeah, y'all get your popcorn ready. I know Sid Leather Jacket coming back this week, but I'm going to do suit. You know what I mean? Uh yeah, this this year was great. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for listening. If I made you money, please put us in chat. Twenty twenty four will be even better. And uh, send some blessings to my guy Rashad. They tried to put the little dust on him to you know. But y'all cool with y'all little voodoo tricks on my guy? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah, All right, y'all know how this works, man. Do your own research. Our content is intended to be used and must be used for informational purposes only. It's very important to do your own analysis before making any investment based on your own personal circumstances. You should take independent financial advice from a professional in connection with or independently research and verify any information that you find on this show and wish to rely upon, whether for the purpose of making an investment decision or otherwise continue to do the research even when you yes. hear it here do the research when you hear it elsewhere do the research and when it's great research share it make sure you give credit to the person that gave it to you all right so let's get into it um all right pfizer pfizer Ooh. are we witnessing the death of pfizer <laughs> as the pharmaceutical industry wars heat up or do you think 
that they will have to recover in 2025. You've been very big on Pfizer. So is it yeah. over? That's a, death is such a, a like a finality, right? We're not mm-hmm. there. Are we there? We're not there yet, but they've grossly mismanaged um, the company. Mm, too much debt. And also their blockbuster drugs, they no longer have the exclusive on. And we've seen Eli Lilly race to the forefront. Um, Pfizer didn't rush to the weight loss drug epidemic, mismanaged a few things over the last couple of years. And then they're saying guidance is down. For those of you in the stock club, I told you it was coming down to these prices five months ago. So for those of you who are listening, who are like starting to load the boat now, um, great job. But I don't think Pfizer is over, but I would say that they're junior varsity in that pharmaceutical space now. Um, Eli Lilly is clearly the leader there. Novo is great. Um, you have a couple other players that I like a lot in the pharmaceutical space a lot more, but Pfizer kind of took their foot off the gas and got comfortable. Also, when COVID panned out to be uh, what it was, uh, you know, um, that had an effect on the bottom and top line. So um, I've been big on pharma, but I told everyone in the stock club six months ago, this is what happened. Here we are. Um, and this is why publicly I've always loved uh, Eli Lilly because the management is a hell of a lot better. The drugs that they have lined up for the next 10 or 15 years, immaculate, and they manage a lot better. So that Eli Lilly is like the apple of the pharmaceutical space. Um, I do like Pfizer if it drops another 20 bucks for like a long-term position to hold into 2026. But um, anything before there is triage. Yeah. You know what? It's interesting. I thought you were going to leave with the, the coronavirus part because we always talk about stocks that had tremendous benefits from being in, obviously, in the pandemic. Pfizer was one of them. Yep. We've obviously seen a pullback, but, you know, when a company reduces its guidance for the future, that's never a good sign. That's never a good sign. Right. And so that was one of the reasons it's like, all right, here comes a downtick in it. But when you think about innovation, where are they at? Everybody in the pharmaceutical sector is talking about their weight loss drug, their weight loss. Eli already has one. Pfizer is behind on that, right? They haven't quite had one that's to market that's been as successful. In addition, this year is kicking in one of their, when we always talk about mergers and acquisitions, one of their acquisitions is Seijin. They paid $43 billion for that. That kicks in at the top of 2024. Yeah. So if you're looking at declining sales, right, from post-pandemic, you're looking at the future guidance being lowered, you're looking at innovation, and now you're looking at debt that's being added to the the, the bottom line. Tough. All, the, all these signs are negative signs when we're talking about the evaluation of the company. Now, this is a strong company. It's been here But when you look at the trend, the trend is not in its favor. I don't know if we're going to – I'm putting death on this yet. Not yet, or maybe not ever, but the declining trend is – Definitely clear. I mean, walking pneumonia. Uh, lost $140 billion in market cap this year. And Pfizer's had, always had these tough declines. In 2000, they were at 45 bucks. They dipped down to about 16 They got to a high of, what, 53 They're at 27 now. I mean, if Pfizer gets to 14 I would load the boat. I would like it at that price. Um, I know they are expecting CGM to be like a blockbuster cancer drug, but after what happened during the Corona era, I don't know if people would trust them for a cancer treatment drug. The one thing that Eli Lilly does have, 
in their favor. And when 2024 is going to be the year of things getting exposed and revealed. I don't think um, Pfizer has enough trust. And the one thing that Eli Lilly does have from the people is trust and great management. Um, they expect to do $8 billion in revenue from his COVID vaccine. I don't see it. How? You think COVID is going to ramp up going into an election? It's not going to happen. So, but the thing that I do love um, when I talk about like a decade like pullback uh, swing or low to boat opportunity, we may have one. If it cracks 14, definitely if it gets under 14, gets anywhere back to those 12 areas from like the 1996 area era, I would love it. But um, always study how much a stock draws down. They have a history doing it. It's happened in the 2000s, happened in 2004. Um, of course, 2008 recession was tough. They're just going through that same cycle again. Uh, set your alerts to 14 bucks if it gets there, hold it for a five-year period. It'd yeah. be great. They said one of the things on the horizon for them is that they're going to start licensing their pharmaceutical assets, which could be a revenue generator. Like we always talk about, especially when we talk about retail, we talk about people licensing uh, content, licensing retail. That's what Adam did with Lena, right? <laughs> Say it again. That's what Adam did with Lena. He licensed <laughs> the content out. He licensed one of his assets. It's never uh, a, like <laughs> why would you license out an asset? So this, no, this is, so this is actually this is actually in their report. One of so they they're pro projecting to have an additional thirty to forty five billion in revenue by twenty thirty, mm -hmm. and this is one of the top line things that they're saying that could add it. So just wanted to put that in there. This is kind of like when they were saying um, a certain OnlyFans star was making $30 million a month, and it was like, we saw her, and it's like, I don't know if you got a Swiffer in your house. Like, it sounds good. I, Rashad, you ever called me and say, the Steve Harvey episode, we're going to get the license in the material. But not always a bad thing, right? We've seen Disney, that's worked for them, right? We've we've seen them license. Is license. it working? No, it has worked for them. Gotcha. It might not currently be working for them, but gotcha. even some studios have licensed out the content and now they're getting it back. And now you're kind of seeing like, oh, now that, you know, Netflix would be a prime example, right? Yeah. Studios license out material to them. And yeah, it was great on the books for that point in time, but then streaming yeah. becomes prominent and now you want your content back, but you don't have the platform to actually put it out. And so now you're seeing mergers between these streaming platforms. So at one point in time, it worked. Just yeah not as well as, as it used to and the words of jeezy if it's taking too long to lock up bring it back bring it back <laughs> she was short anyway so bring a stack hey pfizer get y'all listen we was in a room this past weekend so i'm learning not to say too much about too many businesses thank you thank you but you guys need to get your affairs in order uh, Eli, I, like we're seeing a change of a, of a guard like we're almost 25 years into the century at one point IBM and AMD were the hottest thing in the chip space. NVIDIA came and took that crown, kind of like when LeBron came into the league. We're seeing a changing of the guard. Pfizer, great company, but Eli Lilly clearly is the king now. NVIDIA is clearly the king of the chip space. This is not a good sign, but I do like it at that $14 level. I love it at that level. And I will probably exit at 35 bucks three or four years later. And you can also put some options on it too, but not a good sign. Not a good sign. When you come out and, ladies, this is the equivalent of your man coming to you December 23rd and say, baby, I'm broke. I don't got it. You ain't got nothing coming. <laughs> Next year, you the baby. It's over with. Tough. You, you can sit it out. You may have to do that in your relationship and sit through a, a tough year or two, but in a stock, I don't want to do that. Sit this holiday season out.
Yeah. Well, let's bring up our esteemed guests. <laughs> Get your affairs in order. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know who always has their affairs in order? This gentleman right here. Yes, <laughs> one of my favorite people on earth. Caleb, what's going on, my brother? How you doing? Good to see you guys. Likewise, Good to see you as well. Man. Good shirt. Good shirt. Are you kidding me? This is hey. my uniform. Hey. <laughs> Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So, yeah, Caleb Silva, good friend of the program, has been on the show a variety of different times, Invest Fest, Royal Lava Hall. Um, and uh, he recently, well, he's the chief editor of Investopedia, a website that um, I've been using for years. We all use Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I highly recommend if anybody that's interested in learning more about investing in financial terms and financial literacy and business and stuff like that. Um, but recently made some some news by uh, publishing a report that said that uh the average american um family parents would need 3.4 million dollars to pay for the american dream for themselves and their mm -hmm. family so that's one of the hot topics that um you know we definitely have to discuss and you know just going into 2024 um thought it would be a good idea to bring caleb in talk about you know year-end stuff as far as the markets what to expect going into to next year you know, investing and, and all, all types of stuff okay. um, always has a lot of value whenever he comes on. So first and foremost, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. So glad to be here. It's an honor mm -hmm. to join you guys. I love it. And I'm so appreciative of what you're doing for in educating people about investing and educating people about money here in your InvestFest gatherings, just in everything you guys do. It's been a joy to watch you grow, and I'm honored to be a part of it. We, we appreciate you wholeheartedly. And you sit in the unique space, Caleb, of actually getting to see what people are interested in, what they're searching, what their habits are, the things that they want to know about. So I, I think it's incredible to have you here uh, this week, man. Thank you. For sure. So let's get into it. First question is, yeah, let's talk about that. $3.4 million number, um, American Dream. And uh, yeah, can you um, give us some more you know, details on that? Sure, absolutely. So we're always looking at what people are looking for on Investopedia. And when we come to the end of the year, we look at the terms that pop the most. What were people searching for the most, either at one distinct period of time or what definition or term had the most consistent search? And American Dream was our top term of the year. People were looking for that throughout mm -hmm. the year. So we got into that a little bit. Why were people looking up the American dream? And we, the more we looked, the more we understood that it felt like it was out of reach for a lot of people, especially young people who feel like they're not going to be able to have a good financial life as their parents. They're not going to be able to do better than their parents. They may not ever be able to buy a home, given mortgage rates, given the high price of housing these days. So we got into it a little bit more and we said, why don't we actually put a number on it? What would it cost today if you wanted to build the so-called dream and to be completely candid my dream and your dream are very different and the dream of everybody listening is very different but a reasonable expectation to build a family raise a family have a couple of kids send them to school for a couple of years have a couple of pets that live 15 years on average each own five to six used cars over your lifetime pay for health insurance the cost of raising a kid having a little bit of money three quarters of a million bucks set aside for 10 years of retirement when we totaled that up it came to 3.4 million dollars again your dream and my dream are different but these are reasonable expectations for raising a family today in this country and that does include buying a home not everybody wants to buy a home but if you wanted to and that was kind of what the dream was purported to be right being able to do whatever you wanted to do in this country no matter who you are 
That's the, the purpose of the dream. The American dream was actually coined in 1931 uh, by an author in a book called Epic of America, James Truslow Adams. He wrote mm. about the American dream in the depths of the Depression when he was talking about dream of a, a dream of a land in which life should be better, richer, and fuller for everyone with opportunity for each according to ability or achievement. Well, the financial services industry over the last 30 years turned that into owning a home, having retirement assets, being able to afford a college education for your family, being able to afford insurance, healthcare, and all those things. So just taking the reasonable expectations for what that is today, that's $3.4 million. But the problem, guys, is if you take the median income over a lifetime of earning, you get to about $2.3 million. So there's a million-plus dollar gap between what people are actually earning and what it costs to have those reasonable expectations to raise a family today. So what would be being that the average American is going to earn less than um, 3.4 million, right? Um, what would be the suggestion? Like, what's the, the outcome of this study? So one thing is like, okay, you got, and actually I asked chat GBT and they said that uh, is what they, they actually put it at 1.7 million for average person. Um, but just inflation. So the, the first thing I would say is uh, obviously it, it would pay to, to be in a, in a two income household because then that 1.7 turns to 3.2 and no, 1.7. Yeah, right. 3.2. No. 3.4. 3.4. 3.4. Yeah. So that would put you right there, actually, um, if you're married, um, according to ChatGPT. But uh, for people that are not in that category and, and um, are not on pace to earn that much money in their life's span what's the, what's the takeaway what, what what can they do to actually improve their situation to meet that challenge they, they should invest right how do you fill the gap where's that 1.1 million dollars or whatever you're missing going to come from it comes from growing your money right it comes from investing that's one way of doing it or changing the framework of your dream maybe you never wanted to own a home maybe that's not important to you Maybe you don't drive. Maybe you don't have a kid or you don't want to raise a family. But if you want to have those reasonable expectations for raising a family today, you're going to get to around that number. But you can change the numbers any which way depending on your lifestyle. But let's just say that is that $3.4 million and you're far away from it. Investing is a way to fill the gap. Making your money work for you while you're working is the way to make sure that you're getting to that number or beyond that number so you can leave, live even a little bit more comfortably. That's the point of this program, right? That's the point of yeah. what you guys are doing, helping people build wealth, helping them find different pathways to build wealth over a lifetime. That's what we believe in, and I think that's the answer. And plus, with the rate of inflation going up so high, it's going to be a mistake in 10 or 15 years if you don't own a home. So I know there's a big uh, agenda for people to not own, but you have to invest for the long term. And you definitely have to look towards owning a home because if not, I think the prices will probably double in the next 10 years. Yep. You own a home or own real estate properties that produce yep. income for you. You have to have ways of producing money for you outside of your normal occupation. There's two ways to look at it, right? When you work, that's your labor. Those are your labor dollars that sustain you. But to put your money to work while you're working, get those two things going at the same time, that's how you generate wealth over the long term. And that's how you build generational wealth. But a lot of people just don't learn that, which is why I'm so impressed with what you guys are doing. You've been teaching people how to do this for a long time. That's the point, right? You have to build your wealth and have your money work for you. Yeah. So in order to get to, to this 3.4, there's obviously things you said like investing. But I, I wonder when you look at the search, the results from your searches, did anything stand out to you, right? Because if I'm looking, I'm looking at your top ten. Number ten was racketeering, which is pretty interesting. <laughs> number, number nine, assumable mortgages. 
Uh, number eight, bricks, which we've spoken about. Number seven, yeah. treasury bill. Number six, debt ceiling. Uh, five, inverted inverted yield curve. Number four, uh, certificate of deposit. Uh, number three, artificial intelligence, which I probably thought would be number one. Uh, number two, bank failures, and, and like you said, the American dream. So as we're searching for these things, what, what's what's staring out to you guys as a company saying, all right, well, we got to feed more information. We got to figure out why people are looking at these things. What, what was glaring to you as you got those results coming back? Yeah. Artificial intelligence was actually our reader's pick for term of the year, and it makes a lot of sense. Not only was it a huge investing theme, note NVIDIA, note a lot of the AI-related stocks that had enormous outperformance this year, but AI touched every single industry that we pretty much encounter, right? It was behind the writer and uh, the writer and actor strike in Hollywood. It was behind a lot of what's going on in the auto industry in terms of what that's going to turn into over the next few years. You just mentioned chat GPT when you asked it how much it would cost to, uh, you know, how much a, a dual family would earn over a lifetime. So it's involved in everything that we're involved with today. And I think it's going to be a dominant theme going forward. So we have to do a lot more content around that, not just as an investing theme, but what does it mean for industries? What does it mean for the future of productivity in this country and around the world? But when you look at other things like bank failures, well, those popped yeah. because we were having bank failures in the spring. Banks were supposed to be boring, but they were anything but boring earlier on this year when they were failing and the Treasury and FDIC were seizing them, but also taking extraordinary measures to bail out uh, customers of banks, right? The FDIC only guarantees, and we did a show on this with you guys when this was happening back in last spring, only supposed to cover you for 250000 Well, the Treasury Department said, we're going to cover you way beyond that. So that was really interesting. Um, we've been in an inverted yield curve in one form or another all year, and that yes. usually precedes a recession. We've been kind of waiting for a recession now for about 15, 16 months. Not saying we won't have one, but the fact that this the, the dynamics have changed, right? If we had an inverted yield curve five, 10 years ago, we would have had a recession like the next minute. But yeah. things are really different these days. So we had to get in more of that. And also... The assumable mortgage, that really stood out to us. Why? Because this is a way if I want to buy your house, Ian, I, you just transfer your mortgage to me instead of me going out and getting an 8% mortgage. It's a unique way of doing uh, transferring a mortgage mm. and actually selling a house to another person. This was popping for us because people were looking for ways to actually own a home, be able to buy a home for the first time. So that's why this term was popping. Assumable mortgage, okay. In light of the bank failures and... Um, the excitement around AI. Do you think with all the measures the government is taking that we're actually going to have a recession or do you think they're going to push it off as long as possible and change what the definition of a recession is? Because like you said, when the yield curve inverts, normally uh, the recession happens relatively quickly. We've been waiting, I think, 16 months now. Do you think it would ever happen or do you think them absorbing some of the banks allowed us to not go into recession how we did in 2008 and 2007. Yeah. Remember, Jay Powell, the Fed chair, said that the bank failures actually served as a form of monetary tightening in and of themselves because mm -hmm. what happened when the banks failed, banks got a lot tighter about lending, so money supply was even scarcer, which served the Fed's purpose of tightening money supply and, right, and making sure that inflation was coming down. So in a way, you had that, but also... The moral, the lack of moral hazard, right? If we always think that the Treasury is going to bail us out if a bank fails, or the Treasury is going to bail us out like they did during the Great Financial Crisis, or the tre or the Fed's going to supply, you know, bring rates down to zero and start quantitative easing again when things get a little bit gnarly around here, 
then there's never going to be a recession. It's never going to get that bad, right? So there's that notion that's going around out there that we're always going to have some backup uh, one way or the other. So that you know, that kind of changes the, the risk mentality for a lot of people. Think about it. The fact that we've been in an inverted yield curve in one form or another for the past 15 to 16 months, haven't had a recession. Not only that, guys, the stock market's up 22%, right? Yeah, we had bond yields north of 5%. The stock market's up 22%. These things shouldn't normally happen, but the fact that there is no moral hazard, I think, gives people an opportunity to take more risk. It makes them feel bolder about taking more risk and investing in stocks and risky assets. Look at crypto. So there's that that's going on as well. And also the fact that, you know, things are different, right? The, the appetite, you guys have been talking about BRICS this year. I've been hearing, watching the show. The appetite for U.S. Treasuries is not what it used to be. So if the U.S. Treasuries not as attractive to investors like the Bank of Japan and the People's Bank of China like it used to be, who's going to be the customer for the most important, most widely held, safest, in quotes, asset on the planet? That brings a lot into question. And where are you going to put your money in that case? So um, the stock market uh, has been going up this year and mainly because of a few stocks in the tech sector. And we spoke to Mike Novogratz uh, in the summertime. He said that he thought that there would be an AI bubble, but not for a while. And he said that, uh, you know, his guys early on told him Microsoft and NVIDIA were the stocks that, you know, would lead the charge. And they've obviously done extremely well. Yes. So, uh, you know, being that artificial intelligence is obviously searched and talked about a lot. And that's been one of the major catalysts for the stock market going up for 2024. Do you think that that trend can continue and we'll see another you know, wave of, of tech stocks riding this artificial intelligence wave or uh, will we start to see some some turbulence? Yeah, I think that AI is going to be a dominant investing theme for the not, not just next year, but beyond is are we potentially in bubble territory? Well, you look at NVIDIA up over 250% so far this year. You have to scratch your head a little bit. NVIDIA is a great chip company, and it makes uh, chips for AI-related activity, but so do a lot of others, and they've done very well at the same time. But I do think it's going to be the theme like, like uh, crypto was, like um, the early days of the Internet, like the early days of telecom, like the early days of the railroad. These themes usually last two to three years. We survey our readers every two months to see where they think the biggest bubble is. They think the biggest bubble is in AI. That doesn't mean it's going to pop anytime soon. It just means that's the most crowded trade. That is where institutional investors and retail investors have been putting their money. And so far, mm -hmm. they haven't been proven wrong. Eventually, the air will get let out a little bit. But it is going to be the theme in which you can build a portfolio around going forward. And it doesn't mean it's AI it's got to be AI stocks on the nose. It's going to be the AI ecosystem mm -hmm. that's going to generate a lot of enthusiasm from investors. So everything from the chip companies that are supporting it, because chips are basically the transports of the 21st century, to the companies that are implying AI to increase their productivity, to improve their gross profit margins, that will eventually raise the share price. Yeah, I think you're spot on, Caleb, with, with the, the term, the AI ecosystem, because all industries are going to be affected. Uh, infected by it, be affected by it, uh, just because the technology that it brings. I wonder what your thoughts around media, right? Even for 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 your business now, right? When we talk about AI, there's talks that OpenAI is actually about to purchase Political, which has business inside of, which means that they're getting information from publications. How does it affect your business? Is that something that maybe you're looking to now incorporate inside of Investopedia? Yeah, we have to because it's here, right? And you think about what we were founded on. We provide 
originally definitions to financial terms. Well, AI can do a pretty good job of that. You don't really need us for that if AI can do it. They're just scraping the internet, including our site, to come up with those definitions. So that's a potential threat. But think about the way people come to Investopedia. You guys, and even me, I go to Investopedia all the time. I'm sitting right in it. But also, we come for a very distinct reason, right? We have intent. We're looking up a definition because we want to get smarter about something or we want to make a decision. Roth IRA, 401k. What should I do with $10,000? ETF, mutual fund, right? You're trying to make a decision. You have intent. So the way we think about using AI is people are on a journey when they come to our site. They're on a journey to figure out what to do with their money. And sometimes that means, again, this or that. But we think we can use AI to help people go further down the journey to get what they're actually looking for, which is not to say that it'll ever write our articles. We're always written and edited by actual professionals. But to help people find the next step in what they're looking for, that's a pretty useful way to use AI. Now, across the publishing industry and across the media industry, AI is going to be a disruptor. There's no doubt about it. The question is which companies are better set up to use it effectively so that they don't get their lunch eaten, but also to use it effectively to help their customers, to help their readers, to help their viewers get what they actually want. I think that's a great use case for AI. That's how we intend to use it. Uh, for 2024, what business or sector do you think um, are enough people not looking at that could provide some good gains next year? Yeah, I think obviously AI is the big dominant theme, but if you look around that, but also what's coming up, we, we're probably going to get approval of Bitcoin ETFs, right? Spot yeah. Bitcoin ETFs by the SEC. That's going to be a pretty big deal. So it's not just the crypto tokens that are going to do well, and they've already done really well in anticipation of that, but the picks and the shovels, right? The ecosystem around crypto, around blockchain, really, that's going to do pretty well because these products are, are going to become mainstream. And I think that's going to be super important for retail investors, but also for financial advisors that have customers like me that want exposure. So I would look at the ecosystem around crypto, not necessarily the tokens themselves, because they're unpredictable, except for a couple of the big ones. But the entire ecosystem, I would watch that pretty closely. Also, um, you know, this is going to be one of those weird election years where there's going to be a lot of headline risk. But watching the entire market in, uh, in an election year is very interesting. People are always think, well, what's going to happen if so-and-so gets elected to the stock market? Usually nothing. nothing usually there's yeah. a lot of noise around it. But what you usually have is um, a lot of noise, but not a lot of movement in either direction. But I would watch especially the, the solar areas, all that green technology that was part of the Inflation Reduction Act that was really a climate bill in disguise. A lot of those things are going to come into fruition this year. And depending on who wins the White House next year, that can continue going into the next few years. So green tech, climate tech, I think climate risk is probably the biggest risk out there. So anything yeah. around climate tech is going to be really important this year. So so um, let's talk about housing, because I'm sure that that's probably something I searched on your site a lot as well. Real estate oh, yeah. and real estate has been going crazy um, for a long time. Uh, recently, for the first time in a couple of years, Manhattan rents have fell. Um, also, I saw a Wall Street Journal posted a report. A few people were posted a report. We, we even posted about this. But yesterday they posted a report saying that it no longer makes sense to buy a home as far mm -hmm. as, um, you know, the price for a mortgage relative to the average rents. They, you know, saying like that it, is actually not in the best interest of most people to actually buy a home. 
So, um, and then, you know, we talk about hedge funds buying a lot of single family homes, stuff like that. So where do you think we're at in the housing market right now? And um, how do you, how do you see that playing out? Yeah. We know home affordability is at its weakest, lowest point ever, right? Relative to people's wages, what mortgage rates are, and the average price of a home. So mortgage, so home affordability is pretty much out the window for a lot of people. That said, buying a home is a huge emotional decision, but it's also the biggest asset most people are going to ever purchase in their lifetime. It is also, in a lot of cases, the foundation for building generational wealth. Why? You buy a home, you potentially hand it down to your children who handed down to their children becomes the family home. So I always think it's going to have that special place in our hearts. The fact that it's not affordable these days is kind of heartbreaking if you think about it. So either we're going to have to have a lot of construction of new homes, which means there's going to be have to be demand, which means mortgage rates are going to probably come down, which we know they're already coming down. So we're going to have a boom in building of single family homes to meet the demand for the new home buyer that really wants a piece of that so-called American dream. I think the spring and the summer is gonna be a reawakening for the housing market as mortgage rates have already come down below 7%. When they crack that 7% number, guys, activity heats up right away. Mortgage yeah. refinancings, mortgage applications, all that comes back right away because people are so hungry to buy, whether that is individuals who are trying to buy their first home, people trying to buy their second home, and remember, People that own their homes, 50% of people that own homes in America today have a mortgage rate below 5%. So mm -hmm. they have been disincentivized to sell, right? They're not going anywhere because they're not going to go out and get a house at 7% or 8%. So they're stuck. They can't sell. Buyers that want to buy can't buy. This is all going to crack and thaw come the end of the first quarter, beginning of the second quarter, going into the spring season. I think we're finally going to have a revival of the housing market, which is great for housing stocks and great for the stocks around housing, right? To furnish your home, to add the sunroom onto your home, to add a new roof or whatever you need to do. I think you're gonna have a reawakening of that. And I think that's gonna be good news for the economy. Also good news for people that are trying to get into their first home. That's crazy you just said that. And that, that was in the, the Wall Street Journal yesterday, buyers are ready to buy, but the sellers are not selling, right? Because yeah. we are, you have a large population of people that have interest rates that are pretty low and they're like, all right, we're just gonna sit here and wait. One of the other percentages um, in a piece I was reading was the amount of Americans that own stock. I think the number is at 60%, which is really encouraging, right? When we had a year like 2022, I'm assuming, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is the amount of traffic that you're seeing declining as the stock market goes down. And now in a year like 2023, when we see the NASDAQ is up, the S&P is up, Dow is obviously up, we start to see that traffic increase. How does that ebb and flow work for a company like you? Yeah, no, I've, we get a lot more traffic when the stock market is hot, right? We need volatility and we need a lot of action in the stock market. It's natural. People would come to Investopedia during a time where they're making decisions about what to invest in, should they invest, how to invest. The flip side of that is it's not just stocks and equity related information on Investopedia. So in 2022, when we were in that dire bear market, things were spinning out of control. The flip side of those of those higher interest rates was that there was finally money in the bank, right? You can get 5% in the CD, 5% in the money market, 5% in the high yield savings account. So when traffic goes down in investing, it goes up in saving for us. And it goes up in things like insurance. So we have a, mm. kind of a balance. Think about it like a basketball team. The second unit comes in and they're better on defense and maybe working the ball up court. That's how it works here at Investopedia. But we prefer a bull market 100% of the time because <laughs> that's where a lot of the activity is. Um, so 
this year has been good, but it's kind of been a slow grind higher, right? It hasn't been this boom off to the races. Now, the last few months have been more aggressive as the Fed has indicated it's done raising rates. And now since last week, when the Fed said there'll probably be three rate cuts next year, traffic's been on fire because the stock market and the crypto markets are really hot right now. But we always have some balance one way or the other. We just prefer a nice hot bull market. Uh, what advice do you give to a person who may have missed out on the bull run of this year? Um, and I also want to get your take on like all the information is there on Investopedia, all the definitions, insights, strategies. Why do you think people have such a hard time uh, sticking with the plan through and through, even though it's proven to work over the course of time? Right here, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> this is our problem right yeah. between our ears. It's our animal spirits that tell us to run when we should stay, tell us to stay when we should run, right? We let our emotions take over instead of having a plan. Now, what I love about what you do uh, through Red Panda and everything else that you do is you actually have a plan. You have a strategy. If you veer from the strategy, you do it for a very specific reason and yes. you make a note of it, right? There is a plan. If we're breaking the plan, we better know why. and We better make sure we, we, we know why we did it. People don't go with an investing plan. They go with an emotion or they heard something on Market Mondays, or they heard you say something in another interview, and that's why they're gonna do that, and then it doesn't work out, and it's like going to the casino for the first time, and you flush $60 away, and you leave because you had a terrible time. Yeah, This is not a casino. This is a long-term marathon, right? So having a plan and sticking with the plan is super hard. It's okay to veer from it as long as you understand why. So I think that's it. Anybody that missed the bull market of 2023 or the, the recovery from October of really of 2022 to now, guess what? And we were talking about this earlier this year. There's always a bull market somewhere, right? Absolutely. So if you were missed, you know, the big run up in AI stocks, if you missed the NASDAQ 100's 50 odd percent run so far this year, guess what? Small caps are popping right now. There's a bull market happening right there. Um, yeah. If it's not small caps, it's going to be another part of the market that's going to move. So it's about sector rotation, like knowing which way the wind is blowing so you can say, ah, I think it might be time for this sector to, to activate or just saying, look, I'm comfortable being an index investor. As long as I contribute regularly, I know I'm good for 8 to 10% a year on average. And that should be good enough for me as long as I'm consistent with my investing plan. I'm the editor-in-chief of Investopedia. I have exposure to the most high-end professional investing research there is. But I don't go out and speculate and buy individual stocks. I'm a boring index investor and an ETF investor because I'm not smart enough to outsmart the market. I'm smart enough to keep consistent with my plan and keep adding yeah. every month to it, every single month, like clockwork, until I'm done investing. And that's not for a good 25, 30 years. So let's talk about politics. Um, so it's political season in a political election. So historically, the S&P 500 has uh, risen 6% during the first year of a presidential um, term and then slightly lower than average for the second year. The third year historically has shown 17.5% increase in S&P 500, which is interesting because it's actually up 20% this year. So it's like right yeah. in line with that. And then the last year is usually 10%. So I have a few political questions, but the first one is that um, if all indicators point to this, then um, we should see uh, another double digit year in stocks next year as the last term of uh, at least the first term of Joe Biden's presidency. So, A, what's your thoughts on that? And then also I have a follow up question for politics. So 
I did some research and um, 10 of the last 11 recessions after World War II happened during a Republican presidency. One has happened during a Democratic presidency. So a lot of people say that Democrats are better for the economy, obviously, right? But then you can make a case, well, it might have been caused from the previous election candidate and then that's kind of residue that bleeds into the next presidential cycle. And an interesting thing for Wall Street, who traditionally had backed Republicans, but last presidential cycle, they actually broke from that and they backed Democrats more um, and they gave Biden more money than they gave Trump, which looks like it probably would continue this year, I would think. And it might even be a wider gap where you see uh, Wall Street. Wall Street put $2.9 billion into the election last year, which was a record. And it'll probably put more money this year. It'll probably be four this year. Yeah. So as a variety of different questions and, and statements that I just made yeah. there. But um, yeah, what's, what's your thoughts on the political process, Democrats, Republicans, Wall Street, and uh, what should we expect from the stock market? I'll answer the question, but let me ask you guys a question first. Of all these presidents, which one had the best returns while they were in office? Clinton, I'm, Obama, Reagan, Trump, Grover Cleveland, right? <laughs> Bush two. Which one of those presidents or Biden, which one of those presidents have had the best returns during their time in office? I believe it was um Obama, at least for the first Obama year. Or Reagan. At least he was there for eight years. So, but at least for the first year, because I know that um that I was a financial advisor working and I know the stock market went up like 40%, but it was down like 35% the year before that when uh Junior um had it. Over, yeah. So uh that was a disaster. Are we factoring in quantitative easing or taking it out? Because that that just just during their term. So I would terms, say oh, I would say Obama. I would say Obama there. I would say Obama and then Reagan second. You see, I, I everybody think. thinks that, but it's actually Clinton. Why? Well, Why I was, was gonna say Clinton? Clinton. I was gonna say Clinton too. I, I didn't give my answer. Clinton was president <laughs> during the internet boom, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, yes. Yeah. did President Clinton have anything to do with the internet boom? Not really. <laughs> he just happened to be in the Oval Office during that time. He had a lot of other well, things. Al Gore invented the internet. That helps. Right. right. Al Gore invented it. Right. So, having a VC like that helps. <laughs> the president loves to take the credit for a booming stock market and take no blame when things don't go well. When Trump yeah. came into office, what did he do? He cut the, he cut the tax rate. The stock market took off. Everybody thought when Trump goes into office, stock market is going to going to tank. Well, what did he do? He cut the tax rate, right? Yeah. Which was a big boom for Wall Street, which drove the stock market really high until COVID, right? Which then tanked the stock market. And so it's like they're they are subject to whatever is going on at the time, and they love to take a lot of credit. So I don't like to give presidents a lot of credit for what happens during the you know to the stock market because they don't have a lot to do with it. That said, they do a point the chair of the Federal Reserve, and a lot of the Fed governors, which can affect monetary policy. Obviously, so yeah. do I think that Biden picks up the phone and says, uh, Jay Powell, I think you better pencil in three rate cuts next year, uh, and you better tell everybody about it, because we need a little kicker here going into the, uh, you know, into the next 10 months here going into the election. Maybe they say they don't. I don't really think that they do. That said, if you look at what happens when a Democrat's in office and a Democrat gets elected president or reelected president, the return is something like 11% that year. If a Democrat's in office and a Republican is elected, the return is like 12.6% 
the following year. Pretty even, right? Yeah. If it's a Republican in the White House, but the Democrats control the Senate, then you have gridlock. Good for actually good for investing because nothing gets done or vice versa. If nothing gets done and there's gridlock, investors can see the future. And the fact that you can see the future is what we need as investors. We need clarity, right? We need visibility. If you don't have visibility and things are unpredictable, that's when things get a little kooky in the stock market and that's when things don't go well. So it doesn't necessarily matter, in my opinion, who's in there. It does matter if it's a Republican president and a Republican-controlled House and they can do whatever they want, or a Democratic president and Democrat-controlled Democrat House, and they can do whatever they want. That does make a difference, but ultimately it doesn't make a difference who's in office, right? We couldn't figure out who, is, who had the best returns. They are, they are literally subject to whatever's going on around them at the yeah. time. So that's something I would pay attention to. What's more important, guys, is the question of what happens to the stock market the year after 20% 20 plus returns. Guess what? The market usually goes up between 8 and 10% that next year. That's yeah. the thing you need to pay attention to, not who's going to be there on uh, January 20th taking the oath. Do, do you do you have to take into account geopolitical affairs, right? Totally. China, U.S., China, Taiwan, obviously what's happened, <laughs> Ukraine and Russia, what's happening, uh, Palestine, Israel. 100%. You would do that how, how, do you, how do you navigate that as a publication inside of an investing strategy? Yeah, well, if let's just say, you know, the, the Middle East, the situation in the Middle East, which is terrible, let's say that gets worse, and then we have other countries getting involved, and all of a sudden, that entire area and where oil comes from is impacted. Well, we thought that was going to happen, but guess what? It hasn't happened, right? Oil prices have done nothing but go down since uh, October 7th, right? In U Russia, Ukraine, the first thing that happened was oil prices spiked to about 125 bucks a barrel, wheat prices and bread prices spiked. That actually makes a difference. 10% of the supply comes out of there. Guess what? Those prices have all come down except for bread prices. So it does matter and it does impact things in the near term. In the long term, though, we haven't seen that big of an impact, but you have to pay attention to it. And when we come out with our 2024 outlook, we'll be looking at geopolitical things like, you know, what will be the what will oil prices do next year? Well, right now they're below 80 bucks a barrel or around that range. What's going to make it drive them higher, it's going to be OPEC and OPEC plus tightening supply even more or an intensification of activities in that Middle East area where more countries get involved. And then we then, you know, anything can happen. Yeah, I know you love index funds, but if you were to pick a sector that doesn't give you a bunch of stress, if you had to put a bunch of capital into it, what two sectors do you really like that will give you a uh, some calm or ease going into it for 2024? Yeah, healthcare, health tech, right? A lot of them are big dividend payers. Um, I think we're an aging population. I don't think that goes out of style at all. Healthcare prices are just continue to go up. Health insurance premiums just continue to rise every year. I think that's just going to be with us. Now, yeah. there's the you know the promiscuous side of that, which is risky stocks. But I think that you know you were just talking about Lilly uh, a little while ago. A lot of these stocks are creating these you know have these blockbuster drugs and are in a good position to serve an aging population. That sector is pretty reliable. I like utilities just because of the dividends, right? Uh, pretty consistent dividend payers over time. There's no, there's no, there's not going to be a lack of demand for utilities going forward. So those will make you sleep a little bit easier at night. I think the banking sector is still a little bit risky, um, yeah. but ultimately it should be a pretty steady, boring business. Hopefully, it returns to that. Uh, and at the end of the day, we'll see about that. But if it's, it's got to be healthcare for me and utilities. 
So uh, you said that um, you, you only invest in index and, and uh, ETFs. Um, do you favor like one sector, like QQQ, or you just kind of spread it out with, like, you know, XLY, XLK, like what type yeah. of ETFs and index? Well, index, I'm assuming that's a P500, but what type of ETFs do you do you personally favor? Yeah, the, the Qs for sure. Uh, give me the, I need, I have the need for speed. Um, but you, you know, hard to get, hard to be wrong with the cues. Um, but also, you know, in years ago, I started buying these water related ETFs, right? Water producers, yeah. private water owners, uh, robotics and AI. I was buying that uh, as of a few years ago. I always buy the semis cause I, like I said, I think, and I borrow this from, uh, from Josh Brown or Jason Perez, one of them invented it, but they are the, they are the transports of the 21st century, right? Yep. And then anybody that's using our data, and that's everybody using our data these days, um, as a as a currency, I think th those sectors are important right now. So those are the ETFs that I generally buy, but I do spread it out. I do stay away from oil, gas, and firearms. I'm married to a conservation biologist, so I'm not allowed to invest in. We're not allowed to invest in in uh, in fossil fuel related ETFs. So I stay away from those. Socially responsible. So, investing. so QQQ, SMH. What's the water Sox, ETF? The Sox, Philly Conductor, another, Philly Semiconductor yeah, Index, Robo. Um, the water one I don't have in my hands. Also, the dividend uh, ETFs, Noble, I think is one of them, and there's a couple others that I buy. Schwab has a yeah. good dividend. I think it's SCHD. SCHD, yep. that's the Schwab dividend ETF. I like yep. that one a lot, too. I keep buying those pretty consistently. And then I also have custodian accounts for my kids and my nephews, and we pick ETFs together that they like. Very wise investor. Caleb, this is going to be a perfect segue right now because you've written down your six golden rules of investing. Uh, and so I would love for you to lay it out for the people going into the new year, having a strategy. Maybe they can implement some of the some of the things that you're using as an experienced investor. Uh, and they can add, add to their, their portfolios. Yeah, I'm going to do this, but I want you guys to chime in because I've been really looking forward to sharing this with you. Let's do the it. first Let's one's do obvious. It. Start early, right? The earlier you start, Absolutely. the better. I always tell this to kids. I, I do a lot of high school classes and I say, how do you double your, what's the easiest way to double your money? And they always come up with, oh, buy crypto or, you know, buy a house. No, if you put $10,000 in the S&P 500 10 years ago and you went away and joined the circus and didn't look at it, what would it be worth today? 25 grand, right? That's how you double your money. The earlier you start, the better. Yeah. So starting early is the answer to everything. And you don't, you know, compounding is one of those things where we talk about it. Yeah, over time, your money produces money. When you're young, you don't feel it. But then, I think you guys will appreciate this. <laughs> you see compounding every, you see it all at once, right? It's like nothing, Absolutely. nothing, nothing. And then, oh my gosh. Yeah. You look at your portfolio and you're like Ford and you're like, whoa. That's time. That's the magic of compounding. That's why Einstein called it the ninth wonder of the world. So starting early really helps you realize that if you start at 25, at 45, you're going to give yourself a huge hug, right? That's the obvious one. Number two, determine your risk tolerance. What is your sleeplessness factor, right? What's that commercial sleepies? Like what's your sleep number? What's your yeah. sleeplessness factor? How much of a drawdown can you stand before you can't take it anymore and you tap out? Ian, what is your Sleepless number? 55%. 65? 55. 55%. Yeah. What about you guys? Sleepless as far as like the drawdown? Like, yeah, I can't take it anymore, drawdown. Rashad's more conservative, yeah. so like yeah. 15%. I, 
<laughs> what'd you say 20 20 percent yeah, yeah I, I had to this is the, i'm glad you put that because it's something that i actually had to figure out for myself um i've seen drawdowns go 70 percent. i'm like what am i doing so then i had to implement a plan so now it is around that 55 to 60 range if it gets yeah. there it's like all right done you, this didn't go right let's go back to the drawing board and figure out what we did wrong yep also too really quick i think people have to figure out what their tolerance is for missing out um, i don't know if you guys saw the report but uh if you invested in home depot um after compounding you'll be up a million percent from 1981. so like wow. we have to also determine if you miss out for seven years if you miss amd for seven years or nvidia for seven years what is that going to cost so not only factoring the drawdown but how much you're going to miss out on the upside as well right that's a great that's a great point and people don't do that math yeah. What's, right. the, what's, the, the what's, the, what's the bulletproof number that you need in liquid in liquid investable assets to become bulletproof? Do you think? I love this talk. <laughs> As, uh, it depends on who you are and how much it costs to be you. Ultimately, oh, you, you, I, I mean, you, you live in New York, you live in Manhattan, so you know we have similar type of lifestyles. You personally, or you, your circle. What's my bulletproof number where I need to be liquid enough? Yeah, probably about a million bucks. That's it. And yeah, man, probably, probably more. I'm just running the calculation. expensive. I'm about to say, Caleb, are you riding a skateboard? Anyway? I mean, when I, when I mean, when I mean <laughs> bulletproof, I I'm, when I mean bulletproof, I mean like yo, ride, ride, ride off into the sunset. Like I, I could just oh, leave. Oh, okay. Well, I could leave tomorrow. Live yeah, off my that's, investments. That's seven to eight. Seven to eight mil. I can live. I can live off that. Okay. Okay. I can definitely live off that number, but it would not be in this town. It'd be out in New Mexico, where I'm actually from. Yeah, um, we're packing the skateboard up. We're that's right. <laughs> that's right. We're riding west. So, so again, determine your risk tolerance. That's number two. And and you mentioned it, uh, Troy. It's like, what's your drawdown? It, remember this: a 35% drawdown requires a 50% gain to get you back to par. Right. Mm -hmm. A 50% drawdown. Now you're talking about 100%. Yeah. So, as, as you get deeper into the drawdown, it takes a lot more to get you back. Um, I remember we had Kathy Wood at uh, InvestFest, you know, last August, and who was terrific. But that fund was down something like 75%. It's made a comeback, but it's still got a ways to go, right, yeah. to get back to par. Um, but you could buy it at different levels and, average, and dollar cost average your way in. All right, number three, know what you own. And I know, Ian, you really believe in this as well. You asked me about what index funds and ETFs I invest in. I invest in those that I think are in, around sectors that I think are going to continue to grow and be important over time. But you have to unpack the ETF or the index fund to see what's actually in it. And knowing what you own, whether that's an individual stock or an ETF or an index fund or a bond or whatever it is, is critically important to make sure you believe in it, for one, and B, to understand the financials behind it. Because if the balance sheet ain't right, it doesn't matter how attractive it is or how much you like the CEO or how cool the product is. If you don't know what you own, you don't really understand what you're investing in. I agree. Um, number four, and we talked about this earlier, taming your animal spirits, shutting your mind up, right? Because they will tell you to run when it's time to stay. They'll tell you to be greedy when it's time to be fearful. They'll tell you to be fearful when it's time to be greedy. So taming them and actually having the plan, because I can't tell you how many times in 2022, and I'm experienced, I was like, I got to get I got to get out. I got I can't take it. I can't. I'm glad I didn't, right? Yeah. I'm back way beyond where I was in 2022 in my own portfolio because what did I do? 
I didn't jump out. Instead, I said, let's reassess. Let's sector rotate a little bit. Let's trim some positions here, do a little tax loss harvesting, and then let's dollar cost average into the things that I believe in, the things that I believe in, which were the Qs, which were the semis. Those have more than doubled this year. So, you know, mm -hmm. being able to actually tell your tame your mind is super important. That's it. Tame your animal. Off the reptilian I, I, brain, though. Yeah. What's that? How do you shut it off? Yeah, you. <laughs> when you go to reach to that sell button, <laughs> you have an electric sh uh, shock uh, that sends a shockwave through your arm into your brain that says, don't do it. No, it's it's actually having the plan. And in my case, I also have a financial advisor. So I have my own portfolio that I do stuff with. And then I have the big pile that they help me manage. And we actually had a lot of conversations about it. So every time I was tempted and got them on the phone, they'd be like, remember, we actually have a plan. So you can do this, but this is the ultimate consequence yeah. of this if it doesn't go the way you want it to. So Having that understanding and that education and professional advice was super important for me. But I've also been burned so many times. I've been on the show. We talked about my worst mistakes. And my worst mistake was Lehman Brothers. Buying it at 80, buying it at 50, buying it at 20, buying it at 9, buying it at 2, and then ultimately losing $10,000 when I was like 32 years old and I couldn't afford it. That hurt. Um, so I got the scars to prove it. Do, do, you have, um, do you have the button as well on the upside? Because, I mean... I've, I've even experienced that. I'm sure Ian's experienced as well, where you're watching a company that you had in, on, in your portfolio, on your watch list. You were waiting, you were waiting. I know Chipotle was one of those for me. Even some meta this year, you're watching it, you're like, oh, it's at an all-time high. Don't, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. No, my, my, my intelligence, my experience, my tolerance tells me, wait for a pullback, wait for it to wait. come down. What is my target number? Yeah, you have to have the target numbers. And then once you buy something, I always like to put the stops in and the limits in just because it'll get me to stop making bad decisions. So once I put that stop or limit in, I'm like, it's there. Hey, I set the number. Yeah, that's the, so that's a new Apple feature. I was telling like anytime you do something like a hand gesture, like a thumbs up, it'll put that up. So you just probably put your hands up oh, and did okay. the celebration. Yeah. No, you got to hold if you hold your thumb it'll up, hold, it'll, okay. it'll put a thumb up. I like up. that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, those will help you. Those will help guide you. Now, I can always adjust it. If I'm like, I put the stop, I stopped out over here, but I feel like there's still momentum, then I can raise it a little bit, but I make the conscious decision. And, you know, professional traders, and I'm not one of them, but I actually use some of the some of the tools, is you, you make that note to yourself. On this day, I raised my stop because I felt like there was more momentum. Why did I do that? This is what I was thinking at the time. I want to be able to refer to that. So when I look later, I say, why did I actually make that decision? There's a record of it. It's important to actually have that journal. Um, all right. Set it, but don't forget it. Rule number five. People always say, uh, you know, no, don't look at your 401k. Don't look at your brokerage account. That's BS. Look at it. It's yours. It's your money. So... Don't look at it obsessively. Don't look at it every hour. Don't look at it in the middle of a market crash. But it's okay to look at it. Look at it. Know what's going on. It's your money. You should, you, if you want to just be an index investor and set it and let it go, that's fine. But make sure you're looking at it at least two or three times a year, definitely quarterly, and definitely right at this time of year if you're only going to look at it annually to make sure that you are comfortable with what you have, right? Regimes have changed. Sectors have rotated. The stock market is in a big rally mode right now. Are you still sitting back in... The oil and gas stocks from 2022, I know I'm not, but things that yeah. did well last year aren't going to do well now, right? So know what's in it. Make sure you're comfortable with it. Rebalance it, right? Uh, that's really important. So uh, anybody that tells you, don't look, don't look, look, it's yours. 
It's yours to look at. It's yours to manage. It's your money. You're the CEO of your own money. It's your responsibility. Last one, be a tax smart investor, especially this time of year, right? If you got losses, tax loss harvest. Use those losses to offset your, your income tax, right? Your, your tax penalty. But also think about it. You shouldn't trade in your 401k because that triggers taxes, right? You yep. shouldn't trade your Roth IRA. You can keep adding to it because that triggers taxes. Think about what you're buying. If you're buying things like muni funds, that's a tax advantage product. If you're thinking about what to start, you know, Roth IRA, uh, IRA, uh, SEP account, like what's the most tax advantage account that you could put your money in? So taxes are a big part of investing, Rashad. You know this. You're a, a financial advisor. People don't realize that. And when people trade a lot, they hyper trade, they're generating taxes also. Those long-term gains, those long-term capital gains or their short-term capital gains, those eat away your returns over time. So Absolutely. be tax smart about it and don't just think that it has no you have no consequences on the tax rate. You always do, and you have to be aware of those. Those are my six golden rules. If there was one mistake for 2024 you want everyone to avoid when it comes to investing, uh, what would that be? I think it's going to be really easy to want to follow the herd, and the herd is going to be buying aggressively buying stocks as the as interest rates come down. Um, interest rates are going to come down, but know this: when the Fed lowers interest rates, it's not always because things are so good, right? It's because there could be trouble in the economy and they're lowering interest rates to jumpstart the economy, add more money into the system, right? Make money cheaper to borrow. That's generally good for stocks, but the stock market is way ahead of monetary policy. It's always been that way and will always be that way, yeah. right? The stock market and the economy are very different. So the, the, the temptation will be to follow the herd. And we may have had a lot of that big rush into the queues and into the growth part of the market and certainly into the crypto market. And we may not see that follow through throughout the rest of the year. I do believe we'll have solid gains in 2024. Like I said, the year after a 20% plus gains year is usually pretty decent, but it's pretty much on average with the stock market, which is eight to 10% a year. So don't think that the champagnes are going to bottles are going to be popping all next year as the Fed lowers rates. The stock markets anticipated that a long time ago. So before you leave, last question for me. Um, and thank you for coming. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, crypto. That's going to be something that's going to be really big in 2024. Yeah. What's your thoughts on the overall crypto market? And uh, yeah, what's some commentary on, on crypto? Yeah. Um, look, the big coins have remained the big coins, right? Bitcoin, Ethereum, right? These are the most widely held. And we're going to get approval of these spot Bitcoin ETFs going in in the first, probably the first quarter, if not the second quarter of 2024, which makes this a re more retail product, right? Crypto has been for people that have been a little more adventurous. We know there's some big whales that own it, but all of a sudden you're going to have an ETF wrapper around a spot Bitcoin ETF. And you have the biggest asset managers in the world that are ready to custodian those assets. So I'm talking about Fidelity and I'm talking about BlackRock. Yeah. Franklin Templeton. This is a, like a 150-year-old money management firm that sells mutual funds is going to be able to custodian your crypto assets. It's going to become a lot more mainstream. Plus, we have a big halving event for Bitcoin coming up in April. What does that mean? Well, as you guys know, Bitcoin is a software that is ultimately mined, right? And there's only 21 million or so Bitcoin ever out there, as was intended by Satoshi Nakamoto, the creator of Bitcoin. When Bitcoin halves, it takes longer to mine or process a Bitcoin, right? You go from 
six and a quarter to three and an eighth takes longer to mine them, which means the scarcity aspect becomes even more important. And it usually drives the price up of Bitcoin. It always does beforehand and it always does after. So I think even though we've had pretty big gains for Bitcoin, I think 150% so far this year, yeah. I think you're going to have even more as it becomes a much more uh, widely accepted retail product through the ETF wrapper, custodian by the biggest asset managers in the world, plus a big halving event at the end of April. I think that's pretty good. And as Bitcoin goes, sort of the other coins, right? They're, they kind of, Bitcoin's kind of the big dog and the other ones kind of follow in its wake. Um, even though some of them have other purposes, I think it's going to be a good first half of the year for cryptocurrency, especially Bitcoin. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah. Appreciate appreciate your time as always. Thank um, you so much. Definitely would recommend everybody to go to Investopedia if they have any uh, questions and yeah, any, any last words for the year that you would like to leave the audience with? Yeah, stay invested, keep investing, but be smart about it. Keep watching Market Mondays, keep following these guys because they have been educating you and their audiences for years about this and you guys are doing such a tremendous job. It's an honor to be a part of it and I wish you all well, but this is a year where you have to be smart, but also stay in the game, stay invested, always. We, we appreciate you, my brother Caleb Silver. Uh, it's always a pleasure, and uh, we, you still owe us the Carvel. We, I, didn't, I didn't forget about that. I was I was gonna drive it up today. I'll drop that <laughs> off. <laughs> you like the sprinkles, right? Uh, sprinkle, sprinkle. <laughs> he does. <laughs> Real quick. <laughs> we appreciate you. I appreciate Thank you so much, brother. Thank, Thank you, guys. You. I appreciate you. Have a happy right. New Year. You, you too, too, man. All the best to the fam. Oh right. man, Caleb's a great person. Super knowledgeable, man. Super Absolutely. knowledgeable. Yeah, for sure. And, and just a, a great human being. Yeah, a great I mean, person to be around. Yeah, <laughs> outside of you know him being you know, on it, uh, Market Mondays, coming to Invest Fest, he will just randomly text information. Uh, is always checking in on how we are doing, but more importantly, yeah. he's always asking, "How can I add value? How can I help?" What and what do you then guys he need? follows up and does it. Oh my gosh. And, and, and I'm glad he brought up Kathy Wood. It was one of those things when he, he actually initiated the contact yeah. with her team it was like, can I, how can I help? Who can I reach out to? I'll do it. I would love to. And you know, he reached out to Kathy Seaman that we were able to get her investors, but that was because yeah. Caleb saw that we were adding value to the community and wanted to help us. Um, so again, just, just a great human being. Yeah. And even a person he was trying to connect before that, like, Oh, we're not done. We're not, no, we're not done with that. We can't. We didn't. I, didn't, I left that out. It's very intentional. Boy, <laughs> left that out very intentionally. Ian. The, the, we, we're still working. We're still working. Cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all show some love to my boy Rashad. Flu game. Still dropping buckets. <laughs> For sure. Guy, so yeah, shout out to Caleb, man. You know, highly respected journalist. Um, you can play games or you can make money. Choose. Choose wisely. Choose. Better to make the moolah every time. Yeah. Been with made people, connected people. Who you been with? <laughs> <laughs> hey. Chain snatching, pocket picking. Stop it. Uh, <laughs> Stock Club call will be this Wednesday <laughs> um, at 9 p.m. Central. will be the last one of the year. Um, tune into assets of reliabilities. Who, who's the guest? Oh, um, Bumby, Bumby, Trill Burger, Trill Burger, grab yes, and, and a veggie burger is fire too. Incre yo, immaculate, Incredible. fire, oh, right? 
Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Shout Definitely. out to Bun B. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, the EV market. Um, has the EV market flopped in light of recent attempts, or do you think it will make a comeback next year? Um, GM and Ford is having a hard time. I'm going to go on record and say yes. Um, they're going to push clean tech, of course. One day we're going to have an honest conversation about the EV space. It won't be this year. Uh, maybe <laughs> how many more years are you going to do the show? That last year, that last episode? <laughs> oh, I'm going to tell you all some things about EV. But until then, Tesla, preeminent leader. You know whenever I say preeminent, I'm about to cape. Tesla, preeminent leader for sure. Um, but I think GM and Ford don't have the capacity nor the trust. Now, the only issue that Tesla has, well, not only, but one of the main issues they have is they don't have the best relationship with the White House. And the White House is trying to make sure, or the Biden administration is trying to make sure that he does not gain further dominance in this space. But um, overall, I don't see that many people wanting to buy electronic vehicles. And Teslas are having a big issue. Uh, remember when we talked about discounting prices? If you own a Tesla from two years ago, you're underwater. So imagine buying a car and driving it off the lot and you're losing $10,000 in value. But then two years later, your car is undervalued by $32,000. <coughs> it's amazing to be able to lay back like you in a Maybach and it drives itself. Um, but it's not good when your car is underneath that much. And like I said, Tesla has to decide if they're going to be a luxury brand or affordable because of inflation. Almost every brand on earth is going to have to move into the luxury space to be able to have enough money for R and D, have enough profit margin, hire employees and to be competitive. So I think we're seeing the end of the era uh, when we're having low price features. But if you look at Tesla over the last 10 years, return has been 2,434%. Hope for the long term you'll be good. It's still one of my favorite stocks, still a top pick in Red Panda Stock Club. But um, most of the other players like Rivian, uh, Lucid Motors, they have not fared too well. Even though I do like the Rivian truck. When we was in Miami, I saw a couple right, of them. Yeah. But, but yeah. I don't like the stock. Yeah, I, I don't know. About the, the, the sector itself, I know Canada just made EV mandatory by 2035 uh, uh, today, which is yep. interesting. We've seen a couple of, of states here, but it's not on the federal level yet. Uh, I think the production is a, is a, is a part that people got to really take into account, right? When we're talking about the amount of vehicles that Tesla can produce. And yes, there, there has been an increase over the past three years, um, but on a large scale for some of these other traditional uh, motor companies, it's a fraction Right. And then you have new companies like Rivian and we're, you know, we're celebrating 100,000 made it in a quarter. And with and, and it's no knock to Rivian, but the production when it has to be a large scale for for a mass uh, around of people, it, it just hasn't gotten there yet. Um, yeah. It's, even from a tax incentive, I know, you know, people who have gotten EVs is this tax credits, but depending on who's in an administration, that tax credit could be gone. I know it was like 7,500. There's some talks if there's some models you can get up to 10,000 in rebates. But December 31st of this year, that could change, right? Like it, it, you, you just never know. Um, and so the incentives to have it have been dwindling. Uh, so we'll see. I don't, I don't know if it's dead. It has slowed down um, because Tesla is so far. They're so far in the front um, that I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not He's sick of y'all too, GM. I'm going to keep it a thousand. Listen. <laughs> 
Just don't invite me to the Secretary of Defense House or whatever the case may be. Yeah, what GM, said, man. You gotta stop. You got Rashad's sick of y'all and these hybrid vehicles. It's not hybrid. The woke agenda got them being He's sick of all EVs, man. And electric efficient cars. What? And your charging stations. Sick of them all. Yeah, but I don't know if it's that, but there's, there's definitely the excitement around it has, has changed and shifted over the past, uh, I, I definitely over since the pandemic when Tesla was a thing to have and you saw a lot of those vehicles on the road, the excitement around it has changed substantially, I would say. Yeah, well, and then we need less clout chasing in, in sectors as well. Um, if you're going to be now, that, G, that Cadillac truck that I saw, not bad, um, but we, I think we need not more innovation, but we just need better products and better design vehicles. That's the number one thing that is going to move the the litmus test on if people are going to buy it. Because Prius for a long time, it was economic, I mean, excuse me, eco-friendly. Most people don't even care about the environment enough to want to get anything EV related. When the tax sound, on it, it did sound good though. And the, the commercials and marketing was real colorful and it was nice. Yeah. But nobody really wanted to draw that. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah, it's like when people say they're looking out for the culture, but like, bro, stand to look out for you. I'm gonna stop. Okay, stop. Not you, them. Yeah, yeah, got you. You know, but what do I know? What, what's your target for the S and P by the end of next year? Oh, baby, get your pens ready. I have to write this one down. Um, I have the S and P by end of year going to either fifty three, thirty three, sixty five, so five thousand three hundred and thirty three dollars and sixty five cent, or Um, Election years are normally great. Caleb made a great point. Normally when a stock market goes up 20%, the next year on average, you should expect it to go up between like 10 to 12%. NVIDIA will continue to have a great run. Um, This year, Apple, Microsoft, my babies, hold on real quick, let me bring this up. Um, Amazon's up 75%. Apple's up 50%. Uh, Microsoft's on par for 47%. Election year, the market is not going to fall unless we have like a huge geopolitical event or we have some other health related worldwide illness that happens and affects the planet. But overall, um, the market is going to push up pretty high. So I have my target set. My highest target is 581440, where I would look to take some profit there. But um, on the lower end, 533365 is where I have the SP going. And if I've made you money, please put yes in chat. It was a lot of talk, a lot of conjecture. Did he lose it? He's arrogant. He's pompous. He won't put on the suit. Him and Rashad won't fight. What else do y'all want from us? We got to hit the E-Trade button, too, and hey. Hold. (laughs) I and hold. Just stay there. Yeah, there there was was some reports. Um, 5,300. I mean, most conservatives had it at 50, 51, hitting 5,100 um, by year end of 24. So 5,300 would, wouldn't fit in the, the conservative range. But that's why you like it. Uh, I'm going to say this humbly. Your name is your name. They are me. <laughs> I'm going to just say it. Clip that part up. So when y'all do your little hate campaign, shout out to y'all. I'm a f- <laughs> Listen. <laughs> yeah, 5,300 is why I have it going. Uh, and the thing, like I always say, the market is rigged to like y'all just find out two years ago that the NFL script was rigged, right? 
as a WWE fan, you can see it. I told Pierre this weekend, you think it's coincidental that the Patriots won the year that 9-11 happened and then the Saints won after the levees broke? Okay. So the stock market deploys capital or the hedge funds into it. So if I buy this paper and it's an asset, I'm going to do everything in my power to have propaganda behind it to make sure that it stays up for a long period of time. Goodell, please don't resend my invite. I appreciate you. So... Me as an investor, I want to put my money alongside the whales that know these assets are going up. Um, do I still think we and a recession should be announced if they're playing by fair rules? Yes. But even in a recession, the market is only going to come down to favorable buy points that hedge funds want to buy into. And then the market will go up. But yeah, 5,300 is where I think yeah. we're like that. I year. think that was, that was something that intelligent that Caleb kind of said and kind of we didn't elaborate on it, but he was like, look, we're, we're looking at what sectors institutional investors are putting their money in right now? It's AI, right? So retail is following institutions, right? And that's one Always. of those rules. You have like if that's where the whales are, then you should be in there, right? The mm -hmm. only time is that you just make sure that you're educated enough and you're doing as much research as possible to know because they will exit. <laughs> they yeah. will exit, and it won't be public news that they are exiting. But you got to know when. That's why you set your target price to make sure when to get in and get out of some of these yeah. investments that, or trades that you're making. Everyone put in chat, invest in the simple. Follow what the big boys do. Also, to like, follow what Auntie Pelosi does. So I'll be looking forward to what trades she's making in January. I'm going to keep my eyes peeled. Incredible track record. But investing is really easy. The hardest part, like you talked about, is sticking to plan. Even on Stock Club Call Saturday, everyone was asking, like, uh, how, did you, how many trades did you end up? had taken for the year it was less than 80 my guy mike asked me like why don't you take more and i'm like once you hit your target sometimes you have to know when to stop you can overshoot or overstay the party too long um so make sure when, when you're writing your plan for next year you write it when the market is closed these are the number of trades i'm going to take these are the number of companies i'm going to invest in and i'm going to say for 2024 whatever money you put into the market for 2023 you need to double it for next year you need to double it. Inflation is not coming down. These games they are playing with, how, like, for the first time in history, they're saying from their publications, man, it's better for y'all to rent than even buy, buy our banking product. How is our banking product? Banks are telling you it's better to rent now. Inflation is going to keep creeping up. So, um, what's your top trading tip for the year? This is going to be a controversial one. I think most people should stop trading if you have not had success in the last two years and use your trading setup to go into long-term investment. So if you're trading off an EMA or VWAP or RSI, if you've been trading the last two or three years and you have not seen traction and you're not following your plan, you're not being consistent, um, you should hang it up but use that sniper skill set to buy assets for a long-term. Once again, I don't know any traders on the face of the earth, maybe with the exception of Paul Tudor Jones, who makes more money trading than they would if they put the investments there long term. Um, for those of you that have had traction, my top trading tip for you is always going to be the same. Pick the number of trades that you're going to do for next year. Write it down now. But also, you have to go learn how to trade other things. So for me next year, I'm looking at warrants, looking at options. I'm still keeping my futures back. But now I want to add because I want to run the entire trading totem pole. Forex, everyone at Forex, you're having some issues. I don't know what's going on with MT4. 
I don't know if regulations are going to come to the market, but when I'm seeing people's accounts are getting shut down or they're frozen, that is never a good sign. So as a hedge, you have to learn how to be able to trade um, everything. But if, if trading is not going well for you, I say it's time to wrap it up and use that skill set to buy your position for the long term so you can't become wealthy. And I'm not saying it because I don't want y'all to win and don't want y'all to have money. I, I, I don't want to get off his throne. All that. <laughs> he said, oh, he said if it ain't working the past two years, hang it up. It's not going to happen. Go. It's not going to happen. But, I mean, if you think about it, right, from a perspective standpoint, always look at perspective, mm-hmm. you have a pullback or a bear market like we did in 2022, right? So if that's when you started, you had the NASDAQ down 30%. Yes. Right. S and P down nearly twenty percent. Yes. Now same thing. If you started in twenty twenty two, you should there should be gains in your in your portfolio. You should be up. You should definitely be up, up. and stuck. So I hear it sounds harsh, but I understood it right away what you're saying, right? Like if you're coming from that, if you're starting at the bottom and we saw some appreciation over the past eighteen months, then you should have some gains as well. If you didn't, then something went wrong. Something vitally went wrong. He was messing up. Like, if you can't score on a seven-foot rim, the little peewee, bruh. Time to and it's okay it's, because you end up making more anyway. I know people like to cap on Instagram. and But, look, most people who are posting a whole bunch of games are not – for most people, it's not materializing um, the way that you think. Just invest for the long term and you'll be good. Now, if you have been dedicated and you have been disciplined, like you said, to give perspective, or if you're going to follow a plan going into 2023, great. Keep at it. But even for me, like, it took me a while to get my formulation down. But, like, in my first year, I had success, though. Um, I wasn't, like, two years in with losses and, like, drawdowns all year. Um, But... If it's not working out for you, you definitely should go to long term and maybe come back when you're more disciplined. Even trading. Trading's gotten a lot easier, too, just by following a plan and blocking out all noise. Like, now I don't want to talk to anyone when I trade. Um, It's not about the indicators. It's really about the plan. Once again, use one short target, then follow up by using a long target. Like, my short target is like a cash flow trade. My long target, like, helps move big alpha in my account and gives me higher percentages stick with that plan you'll be good most people should do 24 trades a year be done and call it a day uh what about uber hit a 52 week high recently and uh, it's about to get in uh put into the s p 500 so what's your thoughts on on uber <laughs> troy no no mike bring me back here troy shot to dara I would like you to be uh, be mindful of, of the rooms that Shout you're in. Dara. Shout to everybody at Uber. I'm learning. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate uh, you starting there. Yes. <laughs> had had a good time seeing him work the room, right? Yes. yes. Um, Shout to Brady. Yes. Caping segment is brought to you by supercape.com. Um, them being included into the S&P 500 is going to be good for them. I'm not saying that to, to be in favor with them, but. And Uber Eats, me and Sean talked about this before. It may be my one of my top five apps that I use. Like, I'm not, I don't love the margins there, but I do think them being included in the company that they replaced, they definitely deserve to. So I think this will definitely give them a boost. Um, if we do have those three or four rate cuts, you should see the stock go up. Like, they are very dependent on inflation and how sensitive the inflationary environment is. Um, I wouldn't put it in my top. 25 but 
I do think them being included into the S&P 500 is going to give them a boost uh, next year. And I'm not just saying that because of losing the room with Dara. But they definitely re- deserve to replace the company that uh, was booted out in exchange for them. Yeah. I mean, and if you're saying the S&P is going to 5,300, this even makes more sense, right? Like if they're part of that index, then they, they should have a, they should have a 15% bump easy. Yeah, easy, right? If it's going yeah. that, that far, yeah. 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 I mean, Uber... Would you consider, I guess this would be a great question for both of you since you use it. Would you consider it a need-based business for you personally? For me, it is because I can't cover it. Yeah, I would say it's a need-based, slight transpo company. Um, the only thing I don't love it, let me look at the margins real quick. Is If the margins were better, I would be more in favor of it. That's the only thing that keeps me from loving um, the business. They've done better like on the safety concerns, but Hold on, let me see Uber. But yeah, I would qualify as a needs-based business. Um, profit margin negative twenty-eight point six percent. Gross margin is thirty-eight point three three percent. Return on equity is not bad, twelve percent. And the EBITDA margin is three point four. So if they find some ways to like make those margins better, I would be favorable on it for yeah. sure. Yeah, and there's still room for growth from global expansion. So there's still some points that they they, they have to, to gain more revenue. Yeah. Dar looked like he a body slam me, ain't it? <laughs> 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 like, I was like, he looked like Brian Pillman or something. I'm like, he looks stocky, all right? Hello all to right, all, cool. our, all our friends over there. How, how are you real? Doing? Kudos. All right. Uh, get your tickets to Market Mondays, Ghana. Yes. That is happening next Tuesday. Very, 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 very important. Um, get your tickets. We will be out there in the motherland, bringing out New Year's. Excited about it. Any, any other topics you want to talk about? Yeah. Um, I know you're not feeling well. I do want to go through. Barons released their top ten. Can we do that? I, I was gonna say, can we do that? I got yes. you, Charlie. All right. So Barons they they released their top ten stocks of 2024. Um, which are uh, which of the picks? Uh, from their 2024 list, do you like or should we stay away from? So I guess the good, bad, the ugly from what they said based yeah. on your professional opinion, Ian. So I'll run down some of the names and then you you do your part, right? Okay. All right. So let's start with Alibaba. Absolutely not. I haven't seen Jack Ma. I love the company. And if Alibaba, <laughs> please write this down. Outside of the inverted yield curve, the number one indicator that I'm looking for that the economy is back to being fine is Alibaba and Chinese stocks have an uptick consistently. I like it if it gets to 37 bucks. Um, at 17, I love. I'm not saying that it's going that far, but 37, I love it. But because of the geopolitical stuff, and I haven't seen Jack Ma, there's no way you can invest in Alibaba. No way. All right. Uh, let's go to Google. Love. Like if Apple was not here, Google would be my number one. Mm. So yes, I, I love Google. Um, it's probably third in that tech race, but they're going to be great. I know everyone's worried about if uh, AI is going to cut into their search margin. One thing Google has always been able to do—they've been fine. They always been able to find ways to cut um, into different sectors and find a way to keep their profit margin high in search. And I think AI may even make the search better, and it will favor them long term. So Google, I love. Yeah, we kind of went over that. Was that last? We were talking about the integration process where it's not yep. a plug-in. It's actually going to be part of the, the Google ecosystem. All right, let's talk about Gold. Gold. Um, 
Will it be a stock of 2024? Technically, all long-term assets go up, so I will put it in there. I will, it wouldn't be in my top 10. I will probably have it 12th, but yes, for gold. All right. Berkshire Hathaway B, not to be confused with A. Um, I like VOO better. Uh, rest in peace, Charlie. Love Warren, so I can't say no to Warren. If I have to pick between Berkshire and VO, I'm picking VO, but Berkshire is good. All right, let's go to biotech. Absolutely not. No way, no how. Rob Parker. <laughs> no way. Like, in 2024, if it is not a tier one great investment, we're not touching it. No, no room for speculation. Not doing it. We talked about uh, oil and gas. Chevron is on their list. What's your thoughts? You, everyone can do what they choose to do. Shout out to the good folks over at Chevron and all the dinosaurs that you turn into fuel for our cars. I appreciate you. Am I getting better? Um, but I won't be I won't be invested in Chevron in 2024. Chevron, that was an interesting another interesting one. And we had this probably early on in our market <laughs> money's history. Uh we 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 gave it the the vital sign of not gonna survive. Hertz is on their list. Hertz Global Holdings. What's your thoughts? How, how did this make the list? I'm I'm, I'm interested to out know. of all they could have picked, I would have picked Dogecoin over this. I'm not even gonna lie. You could have gave me Safe Moon. You can give me any of those altcoins. Um, no, Hertz. Yeah, I'm glad that they're still surviving, and Leroy is in, still in critical condition as a result. But yeah. no, Hertz. Hell no, under no circumstances. That was an interesting one. The next one they had was MSG, Madison Square Garden Sports, uh, owned by James Dolan. People get confused. They think that all right, he just owns the Knicks and the Rangers. He actually owns, owns Madison Square Garden Sports, which just put uh, the the sphere. Out in Las Vegas, they actually own that as well. What's your thoughts on MSG? Uh, shout to Dolan, uh, <laughs> Blanco, Hefe, but no, I'm not investing in MSG. I- I'll see how he manages the team. Shout to Jalen, Jalen been killing. But if you manage a team like that, I call and that's public facing. I can only <laughs> manage what the management is like behind the scenes. You wouldn't let Oakley sit at all the games. No, I'm good. I'm You're good not doing that. You. No. <laughs> yeah, they have an interesting business uh, structure. Uh, MSG, the dictatorship. The, Structure, <laughs> <laughs> interesting structure. I mean, when we talk about New York Transit and the role that they play inside of that as well. So, if, if you, you're not familiar with MSG, I would definitely do the research on that company. Uh, the next one they have is Pepsi, PepsiCo. What's your thought? I actually like Pepsi a lot, especially for the space they're in, um, in that food and beverage space. Great management, like the CEO. Um, well run, yeah, I like Pepsi. Pepsi's a good one. And the final one on their 10 was U-Haul. I was shocked at this one, that it made the list. But when I looked at the chart and looked at the business, I like this one. Um, at 45.93 is where I would like to buy in. Like Caleb said, the stock market and economy are two different things. The stock is doing incredibly well. Margins are decent in the business. But also, too, um, it's one of those utility businesses that will not go away. And as rent is going up, no, and people are moving out of homes. Uh, time to move is going to come quick, and, and U-Haul is probably the most trusted and well-known brand in that space. It's definitely a good investment. I like it at forty-five ninety-three. Those are their top ten. Yeah, yeah, so, probably not my top ten. I don't. I think no, Google wouldn't be my top ten. My twenty twenty-four <laughs> yeah. list. I'll do end of January for uh, top stock of, of the year. When we get yeah. back. I think Google might have been the only one in that ten that I probably would have had. Yeah. Yeah. 
My final question for you guys, what is the top business lesson that you guys have used or learned this year that's had the biggest impact on your business? And if you can't share, I totally understand. I might clip this out. <laughs> for sure. Now, you know, being able to uh, have enough vision to see bigger than what you currently are. And, um, you know, you got to find different verticals, how to actually make money and expand. You never really get, you know, really rich from what you're actually doing. Like, even if you look at Jay or Ye or any billionaire from hip hop, they never really got billionaire stats from rapping or yeah. music. You know, they made billions from, you know, liquor or they made billions from, you know, clothing or different things like that. So, you know, being able to use your influence to actually, you know, spread out and um, invest in different companies and see different opportunities and stuff like that, I think is uh, extremely, extremely important. Um, and, you know, just having enough uh, vision to, to see that, you know, it's not the finish line. It's only, you know. Whatever you're thinking is, is is pretty small in the grand scheme of things. So you got to have enough vision to understand that, you know, you can't can't focus on small things, only focus on big things. So yeah. trying to do things to just make a you know a couple hundred thousand or a million dollars, that's not really no real money in the grand scheme of things. So what's real money? Let's have a talk. Um, a hundred million or a billion. You know, that's hey. like something that's real money. So mm -hmm. it's like you know, it's kind of hard to get people to understand that. Um, you know, most people, they just want to just focus on small things and run a mediocrity race. <laughs> but, you know, when you, when you, I like live, the version of you, when you sick, shook shoddy, <laughs> shoddy, when you focus on the big things and you understand, like, you know, how the game is played on the highest level. So for us, just being able to have opportunities to talk to like, you know, billionaires and yeah. people that's, that's running companies and stuff like that. You start to have a different perspective on things and, mm -hmm. you know, have, um, you know, just look at things a little differently. Pride and ego is something that's extremely, um, you know, it's, it's a deadly sin for a reason. Um, you know, yeah. pride is, pride is one of the seven deadly sins. And um, the reason why it's one of the seven deadly sins is that it could kill you. So, um, you know, if you're too prideful or you have too much ego, you know, most of the time people that are extremely prideful have tremendous ego. It didn't really work out for them. And, um, you know, we even look at like hip hop culture. You know, there's a lot of people that are very revered in our culture, but mm -hmm. very prideful people and they're great people. You know, some of them are actually our friends, but um, it didn't really work out for them ultimately because their ego and their pride got the best of them. Yeah. And um, now they're actually just living off of old memories and nobody wants to be a has-been in life. That's something that's extremely important. Like, you know, you want to, you know, maximize the time that you have on top because you never know how long you're going to have the time on top. So you want to maximize that, but it'll be extremely, you know, unbeneficial if you squander that moment, you know, with petty fighting and insecurities and stuff like that. Then you look back on it like 10 years later, it's like, then that, that's not going to happen again. You had your opportunity. God blessed you with a tremendous opportunity to change your life, to change your family's life. And then you look no back on it like, damn, that shit, that wasn't even really worth it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, damn, I wish I, I wish I could have done things differently. And like I said, we actually have the opportunity to see that firsthand from people that we know personally in hip hop world. Um, and, uh, you know, a wise person learns from the mistakes of others. So I think it's extremely um, beneficial and vital for people to to look at other people's mistakes, other people's shortcomings, and not let that happen to them. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, I didn't expect you to yeah, go there. But yeah, I mean, that's, I'll, I'll turn it into the world of investing because I think from a business standpoint, everything Shadi just said makes 
a lot of sense and it speaks to kind of our relationship, but it speaks to Aaron Elysia as a company in, in, in totality. From an investment standpoint, though, I, I would be mindful of the mistakes that you make um, and how you can learn and adjust from them. And I'll give you, I'll take it back. And if you watch Market Mondays, you go back to 2021, I, I, I was big on, on Salesforce um, CRM. I was talking about the investment in Slack. Um, I invested it. And then what happens in 2022? NASDAQ pulls back. Salesforce pulls back. And I lost on that that investment, but what I did gain was the knowledge of that sector, right? And so now I, I'm more familiar with CRMs and what they can do. Fast forward to this year, I never stopped looking at Salesforce as a great company, but what it did is open it up to other companies. And so in Chicago, when I was able to talk about HubSpot, it was because of what I saw Salesforce do. And so when we talk about AI and the AI ecosystem, there are plenty of sectors that are going to be available for gains, right? We're talking about mm-hmm. media, we're talking about cloud space, but we're talking about enterprise and inside of enterprise is our CRMs. And so when we think about who's the largest, obviously Salesforce, but who do they, they cater to? They cut big corporations. Well, who speaks for the everyday person? Who's the CRM that does that? And that led me right to HubSpot. And so that was one of the best investments I made. But had I not made the mistake of investing in 2021 in CRM, I don't know what that company is and I don't know what the sector does. Yeah. And so when I looked at it, I'm like, all right. And I, I gave you this comparison, Ian, earlier. I'm like, well, how would I explain this to the everyday person what this is comparable to? I was like, oh, I think I got it, right? If we're talking about the early 90s of, the technology boom and the internet. We're talking about a company like IBM, right? Where they have stuff that are specifically designed for corporate accounts and enterprise functioning. That works. But for the yeah. everyday person, what are they using, right? Because they may not be able to use IBM. Well, here comes this thing called Microsoft Office. And now that can be used by the everyday person in their homes and, you know, in the small office, small way business. More cost efficient. Yep. And it's way more cost efficient. And so this is the similar type style when we're talking about CRM. So Salesforce is that enterprise, but HubSpot becomes that everyday person, small business, affordable option for people that are looking for CRMs. And so that's why I know like I I talked about why I did the investment. I was looking at the charts, but understanding that industry was what led me to having one of the the, the best returns that I've had this year. Um, So learning from the mistakes, being able to adjust, but realizing like, all right, this sector still is going to mean something. How can you take advantage of it? So learning from your mistakes would be my, my biggest uh, lesson of the year out, on a personal level inside the world of investing. I love it. Really quick, the last 10 years, um, NVIDIA is up 13,000%. Bitcoin is up uh, 4,000. AMD is up 3,000. Tesla up 2,000. Microsoft up 1,000. Apple up 1,000. Netflix up, up 700%. Amazon 676%, Meta up 523%, and Google is up 400%. Hold for 10 years. Please put in chat what four stocks will you hold for the next 10 years? I can't believe next year is going to be four years. Yeah, man. Four years. 51 weeks a year. Crazy. It's a lot. It's a lot. You're supposed to be number one on everybody's list, right? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? BlackRock, give me a call, man. Let's set something up. <laughs> These are just our thoughts and opinions at the time. There's, <laughs> there's, there's no personal vendors towards any company. We're just giving our thoughts and opinions. 
So after Jay put out that album, he took over Def Jam, right? Man, we need to take over. Take no nah, black album. After black album, got you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. After he retired, then he came back with the the Kingdom Come joint. Got you. Oh, yeah. I ain't like the album. Yeah, we forgave him for that. Yeah, that's okay. Intro's hard. Absolutely. Intro's yeah. hard. Yeah. 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 Show me what you got. Uh, still yeah. much. Beach chairs on there. We got some joints. Yeah, got some joints. Rashad, quit letting these people cough on you. Yeah, don't cough on me, man. <laughs> not the lights all this. This whole place. Yo, man, it's been real. Um, I'll tell you one thing about 2023, what it did, right? With with all of the information that's been given, all the love that's been poured, even some of the people who haven't had the kindest things to say about us, um, it has brought our brotherhood even closer. Closer. Oh, uh, my I feel, God. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, people, yeah, we do this show, but we just really enjoy each other's company. So, like, being able to bond, being able to travel the world, uh, be able to, to relax amongst us, us ourselves as brothers, man, I think it is yep. it is it's only intensified our love for each other, man. So, and I'm proud to say that. Like, I feel like, man, we, we can say that to each other. So I love y'all. Uh, 2023 was incredible. Uh, I know we're going to Africa next week to really top it off, but 2024 going to be more immaculate, man. So I'm happy to share this with everybody that's watching and I'm happy to share it with y'all, man. I wouldn't want to be on this journey with any other dudes, man. So love is love. I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate the bond. I will, yeah, I will say that it's made us closer than ever. I know some of y'all hate it. Ain't nothing y'all can do. We can do pod wars whenever y'all want. We can do the complex list of who making what whenever y'all want. <laughs> yeah, let's get to it. Seventeen fifty per thousand streams, boy. Y'all are digital prostitutes. <laughs> I hear you loud and clear. <laughs> hey, I am trying to end it on a high note. <laughs> Hi, mom. We've all been there. Yeah, see, it's my fault. <laughs> Mom and dad, I see I brought the suit back. I was trying to be good. No leather jacket. Truck he end us on a high note. Can we end with like a hymn or a prayer or something? Yo, man, continue to do the research. Uh, continue to share the research. And when it's good research, give it to, to somebody in desperate need of it. Um, you never know, man. What One piece of information can change your life. So imagine what 51 weeks can do. Imagine what four years can do. Uh, and that's what we've been doing, man. So, again, I'm proud that everybody that's tuned in, all the thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of people I that have tuned into Market Mondays over the, the course of the four years, it's been an incredible run. And we're not stopping. We got a lot more to give because information happens every day. And so we're going to give it to you all the way we know best. Yeah, happy Merry Christmas if you're celebrating Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa if you're observing Kwanzaa. Yeah. Happy New Year's um, as we head into a new year. Um, we're gonna be in Ghana. Happy birthday to my cousin Ariel as well. Sure. Happy birthday. We're gonna be in Ghana, man. A lot of y'all can't get visas. And we're not talking about the credit card. Shout out to Visa though. Um but shout to the ah, ain't it? Shout to Visa. Yes. You shout to them. You can't be where I be, dog. You need a visa. Um you know, y'all never seen tape London packed to capacity, three thousand people outside. 20 degrees outside Toronto, Canada, like a certain line wrapped around crazy, right? Just remember, you always be a nobody. <laughs> Never forget. It's important. Never XRD, forget. 
Ethereum. Never forget that part. <laughs> Dogecoin. We're going to just name it all the assets. Buy real estate, buy media. <laughs> Amazon's looking like a great Amazon looking great. Year. <laughs> IWM looking great. XLK, XLI. Yes, man. Yes. 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 Kudos. Thank you to all the guests that we've had on this year. Yes. Uh, that's how you be feeling when the attention get got you. Nah, man. It's good, man. We always good, man. Trust me. Yeah. Shout out to all the guests that appeared on, on the show yes. um, and added so much value, man. And we got more. We got so much more. That's the crazy yeah. part. We got more. We just going to yeah. make this thing better every, every time uh, we get new ideas, we able to implement them because nobody controls us. So we can make our own decisions. Big facts. And I'm going back over charts come January, too. So let's do it. Let's yeah, do it. Bring my, my chart swag back. And bring, bring, I'm bringing love to Jackie back one one or two times next year. Oh, too. man. I'm pineapple a, juice. I'm in such a happy place, though. Like, was this is what I learned, too. It was the, the pineapple juice was this year, right? Yeah. Because I was and, thinking, what's my favorite like, moment for Market Mondays? Yeah. And it might have been the, the pineapple juice. I think it was in, you was, you was in Puerto in Rico, maybe. I think we had came back from Puerto Rico. You were still there. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> oh. One of the one of the best moments in twenty twenty three for well, sure. Yeah, Told yeah. a lot of truth, prophecy of my first joint. Yeah. Hey, but wait, I, wait. Learned, like, was the paperwork? Was the paperwork joint twenty three two? No, that was twenty two. Okay. It's paperwork okay. in order. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah. Classic. Yeah, classic, classic moments. Classic, classic. classic moment. Classic. Well, we'll oh wait, 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 wait yeah, we, That's what I'm saying. What top monologue of the year we gotta probably put something out we gotta have our own list the top monologue of the year that's Which one fire. Got the, the craziest tragedy i think middle class mindset that one yeah, got you in some trouble that was huge i mean that definitely got you in that got you in some comments, Turn your comments no, off and middle class mindset didn't give me the one that was controversial with the 10 million dollars you need 10 million to to um have financial freedom now i'm, not, I'm talking okay. not in trouble but like yo why you say that like middle class mindset is that one that was received pretty good. Middle yeah. class mindset. I think that's yeah. what Joe Scott had posted. Um, that video, middle yeah. class mindset. There was a few monologues that um were the Jay Z one that I would take the uh the dinner with Jay Z, which I still I still stand I still by would. That. I don't care what Jay says. I'm taking the dinner. But like I said, there's a rationale behind that. Yeah. But um, shout out to shout out to Hove, shout out to Joe Button podcast. Yes, yep. <laughs> ish. You my dog, and I don't know. When, you better come up here in January, like you promised. You done went to. See the thing is, and <laughs> shout out to Joe Button podcast. Shout out to Cam and Mace's show. Um, we like, I actually like that show a lot. I do. Too. Mace, Mace was a little uh, flimsy with a, a situation that we had, but what can you do? I'm still, I'm still actually supporter of the show. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, like, yeah. I like the show, but he's kind of he got a little weird. Bro, when we when we travel, that's what we watching. We watching either see the Joe or we watching. It is what it is. So, yeah. shout out to Cam. Shout out to Mace. Shout out to Stat Baby. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, shout, shout out to their show. Like I said, Cam, um, Cam, I've always been a fan since Dipset. Um, oh and I really like what I really like what they going on. I like Mace too. He's just acted a little weird about the situation. Yeah. Um, but maybe he wasn't, maybe he didn't have the, the right he, information. Who knows? Um, what other podcasts out there? Uh shout out to Loon. <sighs> Good dude. Shannon Sharp. Nightcap. Nightcap is crazy. I just Night, watched Nightcap, the last that, oh. That's yeah, yeah, I watched it last night with um they had a uh, prom on there with Dion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was crazy. My man said I'm in a portal. Nah, he went different. He yeah, I've never he heard went. that. Who Dion? Yeah. Nah, shit. Like Shay Shay, oh. Uncle Uncle went crazy. Yeah, yeah shout out to him. 
Um, who else out there that we watching? I don't really watch. Oh, shout I, out to Noriega, Drink Champs. Shout for sure. Champs. They just had 8Z. I gotta watch that episode. But yeah. shout out to Nori and uh, shout out to Yee, DJ e, EFN. Um, yeah, shout, shout out to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to Charlemagne the God. Yep, absolutely. And um, everything that he's been able to, you know, put forth and you know, really um, just save that whole situation single handedly has been pretty remarkable. So mm-hmm. shout out to Charlemagne and shout you know who we should shout out. And, and huge, huge shout out! Shout out to SA, shout out to Steve Harvey. Uh, we, I mean, it kind of gets overlooked every year that he just dominates radio, um, but he does, right? He's the yeah. most listened to guy. So, shout out to him and and everything Incredible. that he's done for for us and our development of our brand. Obviously, you know, um, with Investfest as well. So, shout out to him. Shout out to the whole SH team, BD, Brandon, the whole team. Shout out to y'all. Yeah, um, we showed up to Lake Como on a black tie event with no black tie or no black clothes. All the smoke, all the smoke too. Shout, Shout out to all to the smoke. Yeah, those are my people. Oh, and eighty five, of course. Oh, sorry, eighty five. Eighty five. The family chat. I appreciate you. Fan. Fly. Fan. I got to fly some stocks too. Yeah. Shout out to eighty five South for sure. Shout out to Good Moms, Bad Decisions. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to um, Nav Green. <laughs> that is hilarious. Shout out to uh <laughs> shout out to the ladies. What's their show on 85 South? Poor Minds. Poor Minds. Shout out to Poor Minds. Every every show that we went on this year, man. Shout out to Horrible yeah. Decisions. Yeah, they yeah. that invited oh, us. Mandy Cooker. Yeah, Mandy's cooking. Everybody, man. Everybody and everybody that started the show this year, man. We you know, I I love watching everybody's growth, man. Everybody taking that venture. It's not an easy thing to do. So I applaud everybody. Shan, shout out to Shans. Shout out to Math yeah. Hoffa. Yeah, everybody, man. Killing it. Yeah. Shout out to Math Hoffa. Shout out yeah. Mikey. Mikey been putting out a lot of content. I was getting I'm, Shout out I Mikey. Was, I was going there. Shout out yeah, to I mean, Mike, man. Up. Shout out to Mike. Um, what he's doing with social media right now. He he's hit the algorithm, man. So shout out to him, all the work he's been doing. I know it's tough. Um, but his girl, I, I personally call him to tell him that I'm proud of him about the growth. I've seen him as a, not even as a creator, but as a man. Yeah. Um, because you know, this is my brother. Yeah. So like I'm watching him grow and it's a beautiful thing, even like as a father, now as a fiance, as a businessman, shout out to him. Yeah, for sure. Shout out yeah. Crew Season is one of my favorite shows. Uh, yeah, I know it's a lot of men versus women topics, but like uh, the way he approaches it is cool. real dope. Uh, cool. Crew Season. Yeah, okay. they, they they got a dope show. They got a real dope show. Shout out to yeah, shout out to all the shows out there. You know that's been putting in work. Oh, of course, high level conversations. Oh Big my crack. gosh! Shout out to Nineteen Keys, killing the game. Um, as always, man, shout out to 19 Keys. High level conversation yeah. needed, very, very important. Yeah, Absolutely. it's needed. Yep, it's needed. Um, so shout out to, to 19 Keys and his show yeah. for sure. And shout out to, shout to you making a jump shot, Miami, too. Oh, I had no choice, had no choice. <laughs> they put me on, put me on the spot, put you on the spot. Yeah, yeah, put me on the spot. One shot, one yeah. shot. You gotta show up, perform with that one shot, right? <laughs> one shot kill. That's it, man. You know? Yeah, sniper. But yeah, you know it's been it's been real. Uh, it's been a, it's been an eventful year. Yeah, it has. Um, Invest Fest. We might do Invest Fest next year. We might not. Who knows? <laughs> you on some bullshit today? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Perhaps. Why not? Whatever. Perhaps. Give you six billionaires, and you want to complain about? No, no, that's not. We're not ending it like that. In the marketplace. We're, we're we don't got to end it. We can have fun. No, we don't. We're going to end it. We can have fun. Shadi, I got you back. Screen, what's up? The Pinter. same thing that we started. Love, man. Always love, yeah. man. Even, but, if you wish, even if you wish us the opposite, man. Much success to you. 
What, what can we do to foster a culture of appreciation? Leave. You got to leave. You got to <laughs> leave. Hey, that's the only thing people respect is absence. So you got to leave. Sometimes you just got to just leave. Yeah. Let it let it all fall apart. Um, yeah. Yeah. Honestly. See, I, I took off the suit. We're talking about features. Ha. Huh? I don't see that much. I feel you. What are we going to go? Abu Dhabi, Dubai? Yeah, perhaps. For sure. For sure. Never going to appreciate things until they don't have it anymore. That's just human nature. Perhaps. Not, not everybody, but a lot of people. So just got to leave. Um, the make them pack up strategy after they want to pack work every time. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> mm. for All right, y'all. This is it, man. This is it. 2023 it's a wrap man love to everybody we appreciate y'all for rocking with us for trusting us more importantly yes. but for also using the information to your benefit love is love we'll catch y'all shout, shout out to tbd too that's right. shout BD. Shout BD. i got bd okay. yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. love is love man we'll see y'all 2024 be safe man love each other oh, i'm gonna miss y'all so much what i'm gonna do <laughs> peace <laughs> <laughs>